Welcome to the audio edition of the Richland Chronicle for April 28th, 2020. I'm Mike Falcon, in this week for Allison Doherty. And on the front cover, we have a picture of Governor Greg Abbott. And the lineup is as follows. Governor Abbott plans to reopen Texas economy on page two, page three. Medical workers struggle to remain safe. Ricky's take on Brian Dennehy films on page four and on page six. Richland student receives international honor. And the first and only article on page two. Retail to lead Texas slow economic reboot from the Associated Press. Republican Governor Greg Abbott outlined April 27th a slow reopening of the Texas economy that is among the largest in the world, allowing restaurants, retailers, movie theaters, and malls to start letting customers trickle into their establishments starting May 1st. The move comes as Texas and other states process a record-high surge in jobless claims, food banks are seeing spiking demands, and testing for the coronavirus remains limited. Conservatives and supporters of President Donald Trump have amplified calls to get the state and country back to work while leaders of Texas' biggest cities, who are mostly Democrats, have urged a slower course. Abbott's plan allows establishments to let in customers up to 25% of capacity as long as they follow social distancing guidelines. Those in counties that have reported fewer than five cases of the coronavirus will be able to serve customers at a 50% threshold unless officials see a spike in new cases. Abbott also said he will let his month-long stay-at-home order expire on April 30th. Bars, barbershops, hair salons, and gyms remain closed, as do universities and schools for more than 5 million children. Abbott has been under some pressure for a quicker reopening, but chose a cautious route intended to avoid a spike in new cases. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson released a statement regarding Governor Abbott's order to open the Texas economy. The governor has made a decision, and under Texas law, he has the final say in these matters. So now it is incumbent upon all Texans to ensure that this plan is successful, Johnson said. Dallas residents and local leaders have worked hard to flatten the curve of COVID-19 spread, and we must continue our commitment to social distancing practices, good hygiene, protecting our vulnerable populations, and doing all we can to increase testing and contact tracing. Abbott said his order on business capacity can be enforced through fines or threats of 180 days in jail for business owners for violations, or a regulated business could lose their license to operate. Cities like Dallas, Houston, and Austin, which have required people to wear masks in public, cannot punish any violators with penalties. However, Abbott urged people to continue wearing masks 
and said anyone still nervous about going out in public should stay home. If you want to continue to stay at home, stay at home, Abbott said. A key part of Abbott's plan is a promise to boost testing and track outbreaks, including building a team of 4,000 contact tracers by May 11th. The new rules could be expanded to more businesses if the next two weeks do not show sharp increases in the number of people hospitalized or dying from COVID-19. In a series of radio and television interviews last week, Abbott assured that life would start getting better to normal in May, promising both a strategic approach along with hints of a massive reopening. But the plan outlined April 27th is a more cautious approach than some other states have taken, with a promise of greater expansion if things go well. We're not going to open up and hope for the best, Abbott said. Opening Texas must occur in phases. Americans remain overwhelmingly in favor of stay-at-home orders and other efforts to slow the spread of the coronavirus According to a survey from the Associated Press, NORC Center for Public Affairs Research, a majority of Americans also say it won't be safe to lift social distancing guidelines anytime soon. According to state health officials, Texas had more than 25,200 confirmed cases of COVID-19 as of April 27th, with 663 deaths and more than 11,100 deemed recovered. The number of infections is likely higher because many people have not been tested, and studies suggest people can be infected and not feel sick. For most people, the new coronavirus causes mild or moderate symptoms that clear up within weeks. For some, especially older adults, and those with existing health problems, it can cause more severe illness and be life-threatening. And that article titled Retail to Lead Texas's Slow Economic Reboot was from the United Press. And on page two, we have a picture of the April 27th news conference with Governor Greg Abbott at the center with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on the left, and Texas House Speaker Dennis Bonin on the right. Also on page two, we have an ad from the University of Texas at Arlington. Interested in a career in social work? The University of Texas at Arlington invites you to explore the possibilities for BSW and MSW degrees. According to the Department of Labor, the social work career field is expected to grow 16% between 2016 and 2026. Find out more from the University of Texas at Arlington at www.uta.edu backslash SSW or call 817-272-1044 or 817-272-1475. Up next, Angela Lai with page three. We're now moving on to page three. Our first article is titled COVID-19 Medical Battlegrounds, Stories from the Front Lines. 
This one is by Angela Lee, and she is a staff writer. Tiffany Corey's co-workers always encouraged her to speak up at work and admit the global pandemic. She finally did. Corey was one of the first to leave her hospital due to the conditions she described as unsafe. A shortage of N95 masks compelled nurses and doctors to wear surgical masks while entering COVID-19 positive rooms. When Corey asked management how safe it was to enter these rooms with improper equipment, she said the response she received was, this is what we're doing right now. It was an eerie feeling like you're the only one who feels like it's wrong, Corey said. There are key differences between these two masks. Surgical masks do not filter small airborne particles produced by sneezing or coughing, unlike the tighter fitting N95 respirators that block at least 95% of large and small test particles, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or FDA. This was the hardest decision I ever had to make, but being told to go into a COVID positive room with a surgical mask is unsafe. No ifs, ands, or buts. If a nurse gets sick or is asymptomatic and continues to work with a surgical mask, they are contributing to the pandemic. Corey wrote on a Facebook post, Ralph Lee, a physical therapist, agrees that it is unsafe to be in close contact with someone who is COVID-19 positive, despite the false sense of security a mask can provide. I don't think it's safe. I don't think it should ever be done. Surgical masks aren't suited for anything like COVID. You need N95 masks, Lee said. Many medical workers across the nation have been furloughed or have had their hours cut back due to the pandemic, which has forced hospitals to suspend elective surgeries and other procedures. It is no different at Lee's Hospital, Medical City McKinney. From working 40 hours a week to a waning 23, Lee finds himself screening for the coronavirus when he's not rehabilitating patients from previous ailments. A population that's drastically declined because of local shelter-in-place orders. A lot of patients that are usually in our hospitals aren't coming because of COVID. We're also saving some of our rooms for COVID-19 patients in case there is a spike, he said. Lee understands Corey's concerns. Still, he has positive things to say about how his hospital management has handled the pandemic. He said they're trying to do their best at keeping everyone safe by requiring every medical worker to wear N95 masks at all times, as well as patients who are in and out of their rooms. Tan Lee, a doctor working at Christus Trinity Mother Francis Health System in Tyler, which is about an hour east of Dallas, also felt supported by management. Lee began limiting elective appointments days before his hospital followed suit. Lee, however, faced a different dilemma. His hospital, like Corey's, is experiencing a shortage of N95s. They're storing their N95s in paper bags to reuse them for up to five days before rotating them out. 
One of his colleagues resorted to personally ordering some from Taiwan to distribute to other hospitals and healthcare providers. From experience, Lee says the masks get musty within the first few hours of usage, let alone days. Since his hours also were reduced, he said his masks now last longer. Wearing a mask will not guarantee anyone immunity from the virus, Lee said. The masks help mitigate the spread. Before someone infected with COVID-19 begins feeling asymptomatic, you're already a carrier transmitting the disease, Lee explained. The problem is you have to assume everyone has it, so that's why everyone's wearing it, a mask. Lee said the pandemic has, at least, given him the opportunity to live life more normally without the odd hours that typically come with working in the medical field. But he is anxious to get back to a full practice again. You have to remember that there are still people in pain and lives I still need to get to, he said. Kathy Lau, a Walgreens pharmacist, said pharmacies are experiencing a medication shortage due to the coronavirus, most notably hydroxychloroquine, widely used to fight malaria, lupus, and arthritis, and azithromycin, an antibiotic used to treat bacterial infections. The reason patients frantically requested these pharmaceuticals from their doctors, an article that discussed a treatment for coronavirus. President Donald J. Trump has repeatedly touted hydroxychloroquine as being potentially beneficial to those with COVID-19. Patients who rely on these drugs are the ones most impacted by the shortage. A lot of patients were contacting their doctors to prescribe these medications just in case. There was a point where we couldn't even get the medication because there was a shortage of it. It was being overprescribed, Lau said. The hoarding of these drugs and others prompted the Texas State Board of Pharmacy to impose new controls and restrictions as to how and how much they can be prescribed. In order to dispense the medication, you have to have a valid diagnosis and it's limited to a certain amount of days, Lau said. Lau said the rush to buy these drugs reflects the desperation to find a treatment for the coronavirus until a vaccine is developed. I felt really bad because we were dispensing this medication and we weren't 100% sure it was working. Lau said, but for the people actually on these medications for an actual illness, they didn't have it. So that was kind of sad. So with this article, there is a picture of COVID-19 protection supplies for local medical workers. So in this image, there are about three different pairs of gloves that can be seen, as well as a box of masks and also what appears to be antibacterial wipes. Now we're moving on to the second story on page three. This one is called Sexual Assault Panel Discussion to be Hosted Online. This one is created by Jack Ramirez Bernal, and he is the managing editor. While COVID-19 has halted several scheduled activities on campus, 
The Office of Student Life, OSL, is moving forward with a virtual event focusing on sexual harassment and domestic violence. The online program, which was held April 28th, will have a second session scheduled to take place at 1 p.m. April 30th. Feature presentations by Don Townsend, founder of the Let It Dawn On You Empowerment Foundation. On April 28th, she discussed her experience as a sexual assault survivor and coping with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. On April 30th, the program will revolve around a Let's Talk About It Q&A panel discussion with Townsend to Texas Health Resources, SANE, which stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner, Community Health Outreach Specialists, and the Richland Counseling Center. Alicia Money, a licensed professional counselor with the Lakeside Resource Center at Richland, said that even with the local shelter-in-place order confining students to their homes, resources and outreach specialists are still available. The safety of the individual is always a top priority, and shelters such as the Family Place and New Beginnings are still open during this time, if someone needs to leave their home, Money said. As far as accessing services, phone calls are also an option, if someone is struggling with technology options. Students can contact the Counseling Center via email at counseling slash rlc at dcccd.edu. The Counseling Center will continue to offer walk-in hours daily from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. and drop-in group sessions every Tuesday from 1 to 1.45 p.m. Reports can also be filed through Richland's title IX or 9 office at https colon forward slash forward slash www.richlandcollege.edu forward slash au forward slash fast facts forward slash legal forward slash title IX forward slash pages forward slash default period ASPX. Resources outside campus include the Dallas Area Rape Crisis Center, which has a daily 24-hour hotline. Details are available at https colon forward slash forward slash dallasrapecrisis.org forward slash. Texas Health, one of the event partners for the Sexual Assault Awareness Month events, also offers helpful resources at https colon forward slash forward slash www.texashealth.org forward slash community hyphen health forward slash Texas hyphen health hyphen sexual hyphen assault hyphen nurse hyphen examiner students interested in attending the event will need to log in to their 
eCampus accounts, go to Thunderduck Commons and under the Student Life tab, there will be a Zoom invitation link available. April is recognized nationally as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Now going with this article, we have a picture of Dawn Townsend. It is just a headshot photo of her smiling facing the camera. We are now moving on to page four. Bad Boys Are Back Again by entertainment editor Ricky Miller. Bad Boys for Life finally came out in theaters earlier this year, says director Michael Bay, who is off doing other things, more specifically Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds for Netflix. I saw it before the stay-at-home mandate went into effect, changing our lives and daily routines. This tale finds two veteran Miami cops, Marcus Burnett, played by Martin Lawrence, and Mike Lowry, played by Will Smith, who just want to retire. Lowry is still up for all the action, something his nimble body is still used to. Burnett, on the other hand, feels like he has done enough for the people of the city and wants to end his stint as a man in blue. Sewn into the plot are other members of the Miami police force that include Vanessa Hudgens, who was in Sucker Punch and the high school musical franchise, and Alexander Ludwig, who is in TV's Vikings and Lone Survivor. Gone are the fast-paced, quick cuts former director Bay employed. Instead, the audience is treated to the action from directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala, who do a competent job of shooting their antics for the big screen. The directing duo developed their careers on a variety of projects, including music videos and short films. Fala directed 2018's Gangsta. He also helmed the independently made Black in 2015. In the end, this one turned out to be the best of the Bad Boys trilogy. Part two was too lengthy for its own good. It ran for two hours and 27 minutes. That length to me is just ridiculous. Bay and his crew should have done better. Also woven into this tale is the duo's disclaimer that they don't want the other new cop singing the Bad Boys theme song. They explain it took them years to master it and they don't appreciate such mangling of their precious song. The plot essentially revolves around a mother and son portrayed by Kate Del Castillo and Jacob Cepillo. They are a tag team wreaking havoc across the golden streets of Miami. The catch is that one of the sons is Lowry's offspring. Also involved is Joe Pantoliano as Captain Howard. He's been in all of these tales since the original in 1995. He's a welcome return since his appearance always puts a smile on my face. He's just a fun actor to watch. I liked him in The Fugitive in 1993 Bound in 1996, Memento in 2000, Midnight Run in 1988, and Lest We Forget, his part in the Wachowski siblings, The Matrix in 1999. With all my reservations covering this trilogy, Bad Boys for Life actually turned out to be a tolerable piece of popcorn entertainment. Grade B minus. Below the article, you will find a photo of Will Smith left and Martin Lawrence are on the lookout from their car. Photo courtesy IMDB. Wonder Woman Takes It Away the Animated Way by entertainment editor Ricky Miller.
Wonder Woman Bloodlines is a fun feature-length animated tale that has a lot of spunk, vim, and vigor in its 83-minute running time. The characters are the same in that audiences get to see Steve Trevor again. In the 2017 movie, Chris Pine played that role. Jeffrey Donovan of TV's Burn Notice, Cesario, Cesario 2, Day of the Soldado, is the voice of Trevor here. Rosario Dawson of Sin City and Clerks 2 and The Rundown co-stars as the title character and Amazonian superhero. This one does make references to the past since part of the action occurs at Themyscira on New Earth where the Amazonians of Themyscira are a race of female warriors. Sure, it is juvenile and ridiculous in spots, but that is just part of its comic book upbringing. There is also a whole lot of sci-fi mumbo-jumbo. At one point, the audience is treated to a character known as Gigantor because of her 20-foot stance, who runs around the area like it's a giant battlefield. A ridiculous subplot involving Medusa leads to some non-sequential antics. Sure, one will roll their eyes, but it's supposed to be just that ridiculous. The writing is not the best in the world, but after all, it's just a silly comic book yarn. It's not as awful as the Captain America flick from 1990 with Matt Salinger in the lead as Steve Rogers. It had Ronnie Cox as the villain and received a D minus on my A to F scale. I really cannot complain too much since Salinger is still making movies to this day. On the website imdb.com, he's slated to appear in the Ice Road in 2021 as CEO Thomason. It is a big cast with the likes of Liam Neeson and Lawrence Fishburne, so I'm expecting big things from it. If you want to be entertained, Wonder Woman Bloodlines will fill the bill. Grade B minus. In the image above, Rosario Dawson voices Wonder Woman and prepares her lasso of truth. Photo courtesy, IMDB. It's time for Ricky's Take 5, Brian Dennehy, Tribute Edition. First Blood, from 1982. Following the success of Rocky in 1977, Sylvester Stallone created another pop culture icon with his Rambo persona. In the first entry into the series by author David Morrell, the late Brian Dennehy, who died April 15th, plays Sheriff Teasel, grade A-. minus. Cocoon from 1985. This Ron Howard-directed sci-fi comic drama finds a group of elderly individuals able to extend their lives after encountering a group of aliens led by Dennehy's Walter. Don Amici won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Grade B+. Plus. FX from 1986. This Robert Mandel-directed film finds Dennehy's cop teaming up with a visual effects artist played by Brian Brown to uncover a major conspiracy. It's an enjoyable yarn that was made before everything went digital. B-. A Killing in a Small Town from 1990. This fact-based made-for-TV drama was shot in Plano, where I received my first credit as an intern. Barbara Hershey was an Emmy Award winner. Dennehy played a significant role as an attorney discovering shocking facts. Grade C+. Plus. Tommy Boy, 1995. 
Dennehy was Big Tom, Chris Farley's father, in this slice of life tale set in modern day America. There were some funny bits, but it runs out of steam somewhere along the way. Grade C plus. Welcome everyone to the Richland Chronicle. I'm Ryan Bingham Duff, staff writer of this newscast. Today is April 29th. Narrating for April 28th, 2020. I will be reading off of page 5 under the games section. The title is Final Fantasy Enters the Zodiac Age. This article was written by a dear friend of mine, also a fellow staff writer, Brian Pham. That's Brian with a B, not an R. Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, is a fantasy role-playing game developed by the publishing company Square Enix as part of the Final Fantasy series. This is a 2017 remastered version of the original Final Fantasy XII, which was released for the PlayStation 2 in 2006. E. Gad, that's 14 years ago. The Zodiac Age offers graphic enhancements with high-definition rendering reconstruction of level design and implementation of a job system. Ooh, I'd like to play as a berserker on this game. It also features improved technical performance with a remastered soundtrack. Nice. The game's plot is set in the world of Ivalis, a continent that encompasses two warring and dominant empires, Rosaria and Arcadia, Damasca. It is a small kingdom caught in the midst of a war between the two empires after a failed attempt to withhold its territory. Dalmasca surrendered to the Arcadian Empire. Two years after these events, the player is switched to the perspective of one of the game's main protagonists, Vaughn is an orphan street urchin living in the capital of Dalmaska, who yearns to become a sky pirate. He despises the Empire for killing his older brother during the war. After sneaking into the palace's treasury room to take back for its people, he stumbles upon a mysterious woman who goes by the alias Amalia. She is leading a resistance group to reclaim the kingdom from Arcadia Vaughn, reluctantly joins her efforts to free their homeland with the help of Balthier, a witty sky pirate and his partner Fran. Huh, for once it's not Sid. <laughs> Although this is the 12th game in the series players are not required to play the 11 prior games to follow the storyline as each game consists of different settings worlds plots and characters 
The Zodiac Age offers players an immersive world to explore consisting of diverse races under environments and sites to visit as the story progresses. Most of the tale unfolds the perspective of Vaughn. He, among six main characters, the player will encounter have distinct personalities and motivations. The characters are complemented with emotional voice acting and clever dialogue. The voice actors were cast by translator Alexander O. Smith, who selected actors with theater experience. Yeah, theater group is really cliquish. God, I hated drama club. No, I didn't hate them. I take that back. The gameplay utilizes an active dimensions battle system in which a player is free to take control of any of the three party members and switch leaders during battle. Enemies are visible on the battlefield map, allowing the player to engage in combat or avoid confrontation. While the player can manually control the commands of the party members' actions, the game has implemented a gambit system in which each character can be given battle-specific commands. For example, a character's gambits could be set to cast a cure spell if an ally's points drop below 50%. Then continue to attack the nearest foe if that command was previously set in its gambits. This allows the player to focus on fewer commands while the other party members act on their own during combat. Another game mechanic is the Zodiac job system. Players can select one of 12 jobs for each character and use their license board as means to level up their status. The license board consists of unique icons where players can spend points collected by defeating enemies once unlocked. The licenses gives players access to certain abilities, weapons, armor, and character status upgrades. The unique growth system reflects the theme of law and politics in the game and offers the players options to customize their characters' skills and abilities. The game is a wonderful remaster of the original masterpiece with the classic yet fascinating story of reclaiming the kingdom. The game offers players a great tale in which to invest thanks to improved visuals. The reimagining of Ivalis and the beautifully remastered soundtrack composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto. Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age proves to be a worthy installment in the Final Fantasy series. The game is available for purchase on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Steam systems. The game has been rated a grade A+. 
Below the article, we have the retaining ad of Texas Women's University. We see that same student of a young lady sitting on her velvet red colored sofa looking like she's enjoying what she's seeing on her screen, on her laptop. To the left, we have an outline that says, complete your bachelor's degree 100% online at Texas Women's University. The bullet points under that line states, health studies, general studies, criminal justice, sociology, dental hygiene, RDH-BSDH, nursing, RNBS, additional degrees offered in a hybrid format. Learn more at TWU.edu slash transfer. Texas Women's University. Boldly go. And on page six, we have Campus News. PTK student wins international award. Written by Adrian Aguilar, Emeritus Editor-in-Chief for the Russian Chronicle. Four years ago, it was unthinkable, said Fernando Castro Gonzalez, one of the few students across the globe to receive the most distinguished Phi Theta Kappa, or PTK, member award. The news came as a surprise as PTK leaders elected him without him knowing. I didn't think I could do something like that, said Gonzalez. I figured it out during regionals because I won the state one. Yet, the honor didn't come without trouble. Originally, Gonzalez planned to be a professional athlete in his home country of Venezuela. Coming to the U.S. was never a part of his plan. I worked on a project for 21, 22 years. I have to remove that from the equation completely, he said. His career as a recognized soccer player and kung fu martial artist ultimately ended as the country took a turn for the worse. If I go back, there's like no safety for me, said Gonzalez. Despite having family in the United States, his life would be starting over from scratch. I was very depressed and sad. I knew I could do a lot, but I didn't know how to, he said. Gonzalez implied for immigration and asked about continuing his education. He found his way to PTK after deciding to follow what he was passionate about. I was really, really bad last year, said Gonzalez. And I thought, let's change something. And I changed everything. Gonzalez joined a student organization and became active on campus. I do feel like they gave me a second chance at life, he said. The club opened him up to all of the organizations provided by the district. I got up to the point where I'm in 11 organizations, and I'm active with all of them, Gonzalez said. He used his position in PTK to propel students forward, and his recent promotion as SGA vice president and upcoming PTK president has inspired him to impact his community positively. Everything that happened in Venezuela really affected how I perceive service, said Gonzalez. I joined Phi Theta Kappa, and I just wanted to do as much as I can. From there, Gonzalez devoted himself to help the campus as a whole. Most campus clubs have made the transition to online connectivity. Honestly, 
Most of the things we already do for Phi Theta Kappa were already done, Gonzalez said. A majority of the events, attending conferences and preparing members to become the next officers, have transitioned smoothly. Gonzalez said he is now on Zoom.com every day. The only thing that has affected me with coronavirus is that I'm very active on campus, said Gonzalez. The move to Zoom hasn't negatively impacted clubs yet. It left students and staff struggling to find solace amid the pandemic. It's okay because I like what I do, but, in a sense, it's like your burden, said Gonzalez. The online transition and lack of being connected with people in person made Gonzalez's ambitions harder to achieve. Everything I've done for Richland, I haven't done as an officer. Gonzalez calls students to ask if they're doing well and directs them to campus resources and clubs. Due to the lack of one-on-one accessibility, Gonzalez said it's less rewarding. I feel like I'm not doing enough, he said. His goal as PTK president is to provide awareness and activities for those on campus. I do want to engage more with students and recognize them for what they do, said Gonzalez. I feel like we have a very selective group of students who are really, like, taking over the campus, he said. The objective, he said, is to present opportunities to students who do not yet know the benefits of being active. They have a lot to do and give, said Gonzalez. It's kind of sad to see there are a lot of things they can't take benefits from. Among those lost opportunities are unknown scholarships, hope transferring to four-year universities, and other resources available to those who are taking classes at Richland. I do have a lot of planning in my head right now. That's why I ran as Phi Theta Kappa president, said Gonzalez. He also plans to finish 500 hours of community service. So far, he has over 250. I'm an international student, but it was through campus I was able to have a medal from the White House, he said. Over time, Gonzalez earned a presidential volunteer award and a Region 2 representative community chair position with the Student Government Association, shortened to SGA. He also raised $6,000 in scholarship money for students of his major, is aiming to provide more emotional and mental health resources through SGA, at a coat closet, educate students about sexual harassment, and more. On top of his international recognition, Kathleen Stevens, director of the Honors Program, nominated Gonzalez for Best Student of the District, which will be announced May 1st. If I could do that as an international student, then they can do that, said Gonzalez. I really just put myself out of my comfort zone. The one thing he hopes to convey to others is to follow their passion. Honestly, since doing that, I've been able to get in contact with so many people. He now plans to finish his education and hopes to continue studying at Richland for another year. People can see when you're true to yourself, and they can connect to it, he said. The one thing to ensure is no boundaries. Challenge yourself in a healthy way. Eventually, you'll get it right, but don't stop. And that was PTK Student Wins International Award, written by Adrian Aguilar, Emeritus Editor-in-Chief of the Richmond Chronicle. Also on page 6, and also written by Adrian, we have Student Government Association election results. The Student Government Association, SGA, elected new student board members online for the first time April 24th. Students were able to select the candidates they believed would best represent their goals for campus life 
through the Thunderdark Commons posted on Blackboard. SGA President Edward Sisay won another term. The two-year leader of the SGA said he plans to bridge communications between students and administrators. We have accomplished a lot for the students, said Sisay. My goal for SGA as president is to extend the communication between us and the students. The presidential seat was uncontested. Fernando Castro Gonzalez now holds the position of vice president with the SGA. He ran against Isra Asghar Karashi. My apologies for any mispronunci uh, mispronunciation, rather. <laughs> Both advocated for more student engagement. Gonzalez said he also hopes to send SGA to greater heights. He noted goals of generating more interactivity on campus, improving student life, and increasing an awareness of serious issues on campus. Nabila Iqbal beat Yosha Karashi for the position of Speaker of the House. Some of her goals are to bring awareness about SGA to campus clubs and increase student participation. She's also a member of Student Media, the Campus Activities Board, Women's Initiative Network, Black Student Association, Muslim Students Association, Intercultural Women's Society, and the Asian Student Association. To become involved with SGA, reach out to SGA advisor Kelly Sonnenstein with the Office of Student Life at ksonnenstein, S-O-N-N-A-N-S-T-I-N-E, at dccd.edu. Students, faculty, and staff can also visit SGA's social media pages to find out about upcoming events. And we have a nice little picture of uh, Mr. Castro Gonzalez himself. Just a, uh, you know, smiling, nice little thumbnail. Uh, that's on the upper left corner. And then on the upper right corner, we also have a picture of his name. Saying, Fernando Castro Gonzalez, Richmond College, Dallas, Texas. And that was the PTK Catalyst Ceremony streaming on YouTube. That's been page six with Campus News. Thank you so much and take it away, Mr. Victor. Thank you for those interesting articles, Damon. Now let's turn to page seven and dive into some campus and sports news. Our first article is written by staff writer Fernanda Pargas. And the title of it is Food Pantry Donates 75% of Supplies to Locals. The Richland Food Pantry provides food for students throughout the school year. But with campuses closed due to COVID-19, the college is looking for other ways to meet the nutritional needs of the community. On April 21st, Richland donated 101 boxes of non-perishable food items to local food pantries. 75% of the food went to three locations, including the Network of Community Ministries, Vickery Meadows Neighborhood, and Highland Oaks Church of Christ. We hope that our students are taking advantage of local food pantries in the continued distribution of fresh fruits and vegetables by the North Texas Food Bank, said Latrenda S. Thomas, Associate Director of Student Services. COVID-19 has affected students in many ways. Students who are just now adjusting to a new normal with online classes are also facing being laid off from work. Due to the Dallas shelter-in-place order, businesses have been forced to close, leading to a massive job loss. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, 
26 million Americans have filed for unemployment in the last five weeks. Food insecurity can harm college students' ability to achieve educational goals. Combine that with classwork, lectures, the switch to an online platform. For some, transferring to a four-year university and the pressures of home and family, students are facing challenging situations. Since the closing of the DCCCD campuses, students are no longer able to get the food they need. A Wisconsin Hope survey of DCCCCD students showed 41% of students have missed meals because they did not have enough money to buy food and 27% of them reported to have marginal or worse food insecurity. The district had almost 22,000 food insecure students in 2018. The pandemic has made it harder for those who are already struggling. The Richland Food Pantry is reaching out to faculty members, staff, and students to help bring food security to the student body through gift cards. The Food Pantry is distributing $50 grocery gift cards to students in need. They can apply for the gift cards through the CARE website at https colon slash slash cm dot maxient that's m-a-x-i-e-n-t dot com slash reporting form dot p-h-p question mark dallas county ccd layout underscore id equals 85. faculty and staff can also refer students to the program approved forms are sent to the dcccd foundation staff Students who are approved will receive the gift card through the mail. The gift card distribution program is administered by Stephanie Harris in Carroll Castillo with the Lakeside Resource Center. To date, the food pantry has raised enough money to help 140 students. Those who would like to make a donation to the Richland College Food Pantry can contribute online at www.foundation.dcccd.edu slash give hyphen to hyphen a hyphen specific hyphen college. In this article, Food Pantry Donates 75% of Supplies to Locals was written by Fernanda Pargas, staff writer. And there's a great picture here of the North Texas Food Bank truck and some volunteers and students uh, passing out food, bags of food and fresh fruits and vegetables at North Lake College. This photo is courtesy of Richland College Facebook. Okay, now let's get ready to rumble with some sports. Local and national sports set for unusual season. This article is written by staff writer Matt Thompson. The sports world is still topsy-turvy, with college campuses closed to practices and games of any sorts and professional leagues in a wait-and-see mode. Although Richland sports are over until fall, men's soccer and baseball athletes have been busy contemplating their futures. Several signed letters of intent to pursue their sport at the next level. Baseball players Matt Vasquez and Luis Villanueva signed letters of intent to play baseball at four-year universities. Vasquez signed with Texas A&M Kingsville and Villanueva signed with Mid-American Nazarene University. Freshman Nate Van Manen was named All-American for the 2020 baseball season. In addition, 
Junior College Baseball, the JBB, released its 2020 rankings for junior college teams, with Richland finishing 10th in Division III. Soccer player Gabriel Rojas signed his letter of intent to play Division III for the University of Houston, Victoria. Head baseball coach Guy Simmons said he and his staff have recruited several players for next fall and hope to use the Metro Summer League and other off-season programs for further recruiting. The coronavirus pandemic is still affecting pro sports teams, too. Major League Baseball, the MLB, is still facing an uncertain future as it deals with COVID-19. One plan MLB is considering involves setting up a three-state hub for teams, including Texas, Arizona, and Florida, according to the Associated Press. Under that plan, Texas would serve as the Mid-American hub. Depending upon a variety of the other factors, it makes a lot of sense, Rangers general manager John Daniels said April 27th when asked about the possibility of Texas being part of such a plan. The virus has also delayed the opening of the Rangers' $1.2 billion stadium in Arlington. Athletes have been working out in the team's AA franchise home in Frisco and several top-notch college facilities, including TCU in Fort Worth. Daniel also has small groups working out at the Globe Life Field, the new stadium whose opening last month was pushed back until at least May due to the coronavirus. The 2020 NFL draft looked different this year, too. Due to the pandemic, the draft was streamed on ESPN and the NFL Network. The first round started on April 23rd, and selections continued in seven rounds through April 26. Players and coaches were on video from their respective homes. I thought it was a cool setup with no technical difficulties. The first few minutes of the broadcast were dedicated to the battle against COVID-19. Their theme for the draft was hope. You could really tell everyone was trying to enjoy themselves as much as possible. The draft started out strong with the Cincinnati Bengals using its first round pick to select quarterback Joe Burrow. It was no surprise that they picked Burrow as the recent LSU graduate is one of the most impressive young athletes today. The Dallas Cowboys got the 17th pick in the first round with wide receiver Sedarian C.D. Lamb. The OU graduate was a no-brainer for Jerry Jones because Lamb went to John and Randolph Foster High School in Richmond, Texas. Lamb is known as an explosive and versatile big play receiver. Some of the other picks for the Cowboys were cornerback Trayvon Diggs from the University of Alabama, defensive tackle Neville Gallimore, from the University of Oklahoma, and cornerback Reggie Robinson from the University of Tulsa. The Cowboys had the team's first draft under its new head coach, Mike McCarthy, who replaced Jason Garrett. Quarterback Dak Prescott is not under contract yet, however. McCarthy decided to draft Lamb, adding a new wrinkle to the offense. Players are still kept out of practice facilities due to the pandemic, but McCarthy said in an AP interview that the team just has to adjust and get ready. There's a set of rules and procedures that we're operating in, and we will use that process to get our team ready to win games. In this article, Local and National Sports Set for Unusual Season, was written by Richland College student Matt Thompson, staff writer.
Also on page seven, we have a listing of COVID-19 resources. Very handy during this time of uncertainty. Looking at internet access, AT&T offers two months free. Comcast offers two months free. And Spectrum offers two months free for families with school-aged kids. And looking at food, North Texas Food Bank, for food assistance, call 1-855-719-7627 or 214-269-0906. You can visit their website at https colon slash slash ntfb.org slash the hyphen north hyphen Texas hyphen food hyphen banks hyphen response hyphen to hyphen COVID hyphen 19 slash and find a food pantry near you, go to https colon slash slash ntfb.org slash our hyphen program slash get hyphen food hyphen assistance slash find hyphen a hyphen food hyphen pantry hyphen. SNAP benefits. Not everyone qualifies and benefits do not begin immediately. Find their website at https colon slash slash your Texas benefits dot hhsc dot texas dot gov slash programs slash snap. Employment. Lost your job? File for unemployment at twc dot texas dot gov. Work study students, talk with your financial aid advisors. If you contract COVID-19 while on the job, check with TWC to see if you're eligible to file for workers' compensation. Financial assistance. Go to United Way COVID-19 Community Economic Relief Fund. They can help you out with rent, bills, and food. You can call them at 211. In Dallas Water, they'll suspend disconnections until further notice. You can find their website at https colon slash slash dallascityhall.com slash departments slash water utilities slash pages slash default dot ASPX. Mental health. Crisis text line. You can text HOME, that's H-O-M-E, all caps, to 741741. Unique keyword for students of color. Text STEVE. That's all caps, S-T-E-V-E, to 741-741. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can reach them at 1-800-273-8255. For help dealing with stress and coping, go to https colon slash slash www.cdc.gov slash coronavirus slash 2019 NCOV slash prepare slash managing hyphen stress hyphen anxiety dot html and for mental health mid the coronavirus pandemic go to https colon slash slash www.activeminds.org slash about hyphen mental hyphen health slash b hyphen there hyphen coronavirus hyphen and if you plan on doing any traveling Check for travel advisories for your intended destination before traveling abroad. Go to https colon slash slash travel state dot gov slash content slash travel slash in that's en slash travel advisories slash travel advisories dot html slash and the CDC's travel health notices. 
you can go to their website at https colon slash slash www.ncdc.gov slash travel slash notices. And the DCCCD's response, go to https colon slash slash www.dccd.edu slash au slash news hyphen media slash coronavirus slash pages slash default dot aspx and you can get the most up-to-date news at that website okay did you get all that you didn't oh okay well let me repeat everything again <laughs> just joking <laughs> let's turn to the last page and there's a artistic rendering of a reporter uh, interviewing our mobius thunderduck and it says, what are your thoughts on the current COVID-19 pandemic? And R. Mobius Thunderducks answers with a dot, dot, dot. And the reporter says, interesting. And the funny thing is, is they both are pretty much COVID-19 aware. They have their masks on and they're kind of a little bit apart from each other. And so a uh, really great uh, illustration and pretty funny. It says here, even in these difficult times, Richland Student Media will continue production online and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at richlandstudentmedia.com. And if you'd like to join, contact mfullwood at dcccd.edu. And this concludes this edition of the April 28, 2020 Richland Chronic Newspaper Audio Presentation. Your readers today were Mike the Falcon Sikulski. Angela Lee, George Perez, Ryan Duff, Damon Craig, and I'm Victor Carter. Our studio production director is Jack Fletcher, and our studio engineer is Mike the Falcon Sikulski. Be safe, be vigilant, and stay informed. Thanks for listening.